Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, we've had a lot developing in Major League Baseball over the last, what has it been, three days, four days since we recorded. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been thinking a lot about things that have been going on in the game. I'm ready to share some thoughts. So, I mean, I'm ready to just get right into it today. Yeah, uh, you know, just uh, another week of no hitters, <laughs> another another episode where we have to cover two no hitters. Yep. So we'll uh, the second time we've had to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, totally, totally normal, totally normal year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It is weird that it's happening this many times. It's like it's not proportionate to. Um, like the league batting average necessarily but you know the league batting average is dropping and also there's six no hitters in uh in about a month and a half of baseball mm-hmm. just insane uh first one happened on tuesday night spencer turnbull uh no hit the seattle mariners who by the way seattle mariners uh, heading into Wednesday, had a 199 team batting average. So let's keep that in mind. That's pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, but Spencer Turnbull got his moment and uh, no hit the Mariners. He sure did. Uh, Turnbull has a 2.9 ERA right now. So, I mean, this isn't necessarily completely out of the blue. He had been pitching pretty well beforehand. Um, just, just to show how BS this is, ESPN rolled a graphic after he threw the no-hitter about how he led the league in losses in 2020 because we all know that losses are the holiest of stats uh, for pitchers. Uh, he had a 3.99 fifth the year that he had 17 losses, and he had the 2019 Detroit Tigers offense. So it's definitely his fault. Yeah. <laughs> the 2.88 ERA, excuse me, with a 2.75 fifth. Um, so he's actually been unlucky with a 2.88 ERA. So guess what? Spencer Turnbull, not a bad pitcher. I mean, this is not out of the blue as a no-hitter at all. He's just on the Detroit Tigers. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, a career ERA plus uh, above 100. So he's been an above-average pitcher uh, throughout his career. He sure has. Uh, The Mariners had one, two, three, four. It looks like five hard-hit balls uh, throughout the game. The probably the biggest threat was a Mitch Hanniger flyout that had an expected batting average average of seven ten. It was also a barrel. It was a flyout to basically the deepest part of the ballpark. Um, Mitch Hanniger as a whole was the biggest threat. He also had a line drive ground ball uh, that Candelario made a great play on in the seventh inning as well. So, you know, I mean, he had a very good game. Struck out, I believe, eight. Um, maybe. Uh, I know both both no hitters 
had uh, only two batted balls with an expected batting average above 500. So, yeah, both of them were were definitely solid performances. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Turnbull had nine strikeouts. Had nine. nine strikeouts, two walks, and uh, yeah, no, got got the no hitter. Just a yeah, just an overall dominant performance from uh, from Turnbull. Uh, uh, he was rocking like lower nineties. His his hardest thrown ball of the night was ninety five point seven miles an hour, um, which was nowhere near what Justin what Justin Dunn was consistently doing in the same breath. Um, but he had 19 swings and misses in the game, which is outstanding. Right. Yeah. Uh, it like, yeah, doesn't no. matter what the team is. Anytime you're looking at, you know, that many swings and misses, like you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to see if they're, uh, I'm trying to see what he got most of the strikeouts on, but it's hard to tell. But fastball. The, yeah. The guy's a, a mostly a fastball slider type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was using that the whole night, but, uh, you know, just, a yeah, very, very, uh, very good performance by Spencer Turnbull. This and, is, uh, the next Tigers night, needed this as a whole, like they've just been, you know, they've been kind of hitting rock bottom yet again, um, as a franchise and, you know, to, to at least have this, like, I'm happy for them because Turnbull has been under the radar for a while. Uh, he came up in 2018, uh, struggled a bit, but he was insanely unlucky. In only 16 innings pitch, he had a 606 ERA with a 285 FIP. And uh, he's always been, like, in my opinion, under the radar. And I feel like he finally got his chance to be in the national spotlight right here. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And, you know, it's, you know, it's not really his choice to be on the Tigers. He's definitely had some bad luck. Not a great uh, field drag. behind him. He sure was. Not a great field behind him. Not a great offense uh, supporting him. And uh, but on Tuesday night, he was able to uh, able to shine the brightest and got the fifth no hitter uh, in the young baseball year of 2021. Uh, the next night, Wednesday night, Corey Kluber. Perhaps probably, probably the most accomplished uh, accomplished player to get a no-hitter this year. Uh, yeah. Got his no first no-hitter of his career. Uh, you know, no-hitting the Texas Rangers. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was crazy. When, when I got the no-hitter alert after six innings, I was like, no way this can possibly happen again. Again, yeah. Um, Corey Kluber struggled out of the gate. Um, he had a 6-10 ERA after three starts. And since then, uh, in his last six outings, 40 innings pitched on the dot, a 2.03 ERA, opponent slash line of 167, 242, 225 for a 4.66 OPS. He's been really limiting the, uh, the extra base hits plenty. Um, and then he also has 38 strikeouts in 40 innings with 13 walks. So he's been pretty excellent uh, in this time, and it really it culminated into last night. Yeah, yeah. And like I mentioned, the most accomplished guy to to uh, get this, you know, he's someone who definitely deserves it. He was arguably uh, – he was definitely 
a top three pitcher in the years between 2014 and 2018. Um, But, you know, never had quite the game performance, I guess, you know, he might've had like a 15 strikeout game or uh, even more than that, but never had, uh, never had something quite like this to have. And uh, yeah. And yeah, didn't he, he uh, grew up a Rangers fan, right? Uh, that makes sense. He is from um, he's from Texas. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I think I heard that on a broadcast, but you know, I'm not I exactly it. sure on it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Corey Kluber gets the sixth no hitter of uh, the of Major League Baseball in 2021. Although uh, it is funny to point out. Only three teams have been no hit. That is very true. There's been six no hitters. Three teams have been no hit twice. Yeah, it's a uh, it's that's pretty crazy in its own right. And uh, you know, I I looked it up. Seattle and Cleveland are near the bottom in batting average, but Texas coming into Wednesday actually had an above average batting average. Yeah, this might sound crazy, but I'm honestly pretty impressed by Texas so far this year. Uh, but that's not – I'll get to that on a different day because that's not what this is about. Um, Kluber, he, there was a couple of uh, threats. Yeah, uh, Adelise Garcia, who has been uh, very impressive in the last month, he had a 105-mile-an-hour uh, line-out with an expected batting average of 850. He also hit that on the barrel. Um, so that was probably – the that was without a doubt the biggest threat of the night. Um, looks like there was nothing else over 500. I know there was a couple things, or there was one more. Nate Lowe had a ground out with a 550, but um, that's I mean, yeah, I mean a very well pitched game for Kluber. Kind of not as deceptive as Turnbull, only 13 swings and misses, but I mean Kluber's not. He's kind of past the swings and misses portion of his career anyway, so he's doing what he's supposed to do at this time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Did uh, did you find how many uh, strikeouts he uh, was able to get? I think it was eight. Um, no, it was nine. They both had nine, and he had one walk. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very – definitely a very, very good performance by, you know, a pretty accomplished individual. It's Yeah, it's. I mean, it's one to the resume. Like, he's got – you know, he's a two-time Cy Young winner. He's a three-time All-Star. He's got an ERA title, and now he's got a no-hitter. Yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm on uh, MLB.tv right now. I'm trying to find the 850 uh, expected batting average ball in the fourth inning. Yeah, who who hit it again? Adelis Garcia. Um. All right, he's coming up. He's yeah. All right, he's the batter. It, went, after it was this. The, it was the farthest distance of anything hit the game in the game. And, oh, and it only had a. Or yeah, I guess it. I guess it was hit pretty hard. Um, trying to find it, and I, you know, I, I don't think I'll probably be able to screen share it. Maybe, maybe I'll I will. Probably, I, don't... I can probably find it in the illustrator. Yeah, I couldn't find it on the on Corey Kluber's uh, game logs on Statcast. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, sometimes it takes a little bit to load the videos. Yeah, it, it takes like a day or two, which I understand. All right. It, it is very crazy how Savant works. Yeah, they, they have a lot of data to uh, look at. Yeah, it was kind of hit right at Gardner. It yeah. was just hit very hard. 
but yeah, hit pretty much right at Gardner. That 850 expected batting average one. Um, and I think they had a good scouting report on him too. Right. Because they were playing pretty deep on him. Uh, but yeah, anything more on the Kluber no hitter or either That's of the no hitters? All, I got. all right. So I guess that kind of gets into, uh, or, you know, <clears throat> there's six no hitters. It, it, no hitters aren't really feeling the same right now. They're wouldn't, not. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? They're not at all. Uh, yeah. I see. I've, I keep seeing people blaming launch angle, which we've been over that before and it's, it's stupid. It's not, it's not right. Um, and that's whatever. I mean, you're going to have those people, but I mean, I don't know, pitchers. I think this is a testament to just the fact that pitchers as a whole are getting better. Like we're not seeing the, like the, the Groms and the Coles of the world out throwing these no hitters. Like I, like John means is probably the only ace to have done it. And even yeah. that, even then, like people, some people wouldn't even consider John means an ace. Yeah. Right. But like, I think that's just a testament to the fact that pitchers as a whole are, do, are getting better. Like, you know, not only do you have six no hitters, but it's, you know, it's Wade Miley, it's, you know, Joe Musgrove, Carlos Rodon. Like these aren't, you know, world beater pitchers. These are like solid two or three options in most rotations. Wade Miley, probably even like a four or five. Yeah. And I mean, it probably, it might say something about even like the lower velocity type guy, because none of, none of these pitchers outside of maybe Musgrove or, I don't know what Musgrove's average fastball is, but you know, it's a lot of, uh, or actually Rodon through hard, but yeah, you look at means Miley and, uh, Kluber, not high velocity guys. And, uh, you know, but I guess if you move the mound back, it would, their pitches would be easier to identify, uh, by, by a small percentage. But it would there, probably I don't, be I mean, enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it listen, a foot is not that much at all. Yeah. Uh, Joe Musgrove's average pitch velocity on his fastball is ninety three point three miles an hour, which is not well. That's that's not super high. Yeah, not super high. Does it? Do you have a? Where but, he, it, but he only throws his fastball sixteen uh, percent of the time. He's he's he throws his slider. Uh, more than anything else, thirty percent of the time. Yeah. So I mean, look at his cutter because that's kind of the fastball type that he throws the most. Um, his cutter is ninety miles an hour. Nah, no. Yeah, he's he has he's uh in the thirtieth percentile in fastball velocity. Yeah, but he's ninety fourth percentile in spin. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. What if there's a correlation between like spin rate, uh? like percentile with the pitchers throwing no hitters like where's wade miley looking in that i feel like he's pretty low i'd say he's like lower mid i'm checking Um, right now uh okay he's second percent fastball velocity with 51st percentile spin rate so like i mean he's so essentially you know he's a guy who relies on his his, the spinning of his pitches Corey kluber uh i'm assuming same thing um Corey Kluber, we're looking at, yeah, 11th percentile fastball velocity, 57th percentile fastball spin rate. Spencer Turnbull, I mean, we might as well just go through all these people now. Now that we're here, we've gotten through half of them. Um, Spencer Turnbull, 
63rd percentile exit velocity or fastball velocity, 80th percentile fastball spin, also 68th percentile curveball spin. Uh, now let's look at John Means and see what he's got going. Um, because, I mean, there's early on, I mean, there seems to be a correlation between pitchers who are more dependent on the spin rate of their fastball than the velocity of it. And, you know, being able to throw a no hitter in 2021. Yeah. John means has a, a fastball oh, yeah. velocity in the 42nd percentile and a fastball spin rate in the 77th percentile. Now let's finish it off and look at Carlos Rodon, but Savant's being a little slow for me right now. I got it. Uh, Carlos Rodon. Uh, Carlos Rodon is the only only one who works the opposite yep. way. Okay. 76th percentile fastball velocity, 45th percentile fastball spin rate. So yeah, he's the so one outlier. The and I'm in Carlos Rodon probably had the best outing out of all of them. Actually, no, that's a lie. John Means did. Yeah. So I guess that's not. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is a correlation here because if we're looking at spin rate, like that's been that seems to have been the determining factor and it's not i know it's not fair to go off of six games even though they were you know arguably six of the best pitch games of the year um but you know it, it's very intriguing that five of the six people who've thrown no hitters rely on spin rate more than velocity in a game where seemingly everyone's throwing 90 95 with movement yeah and not all of them are like um super super established veterans but they've all been pitching in the game for a good a very good amount of time so i think the experience plus um you know gaining gaining that spin rate uh has been has been a, a big factor for some of these some of these pitchers and uh yeah i think that that's something that kind of develops over time like if yeah. you look at max scherzer's savant page his velocity is around the 50th percentile um but his uh spin rate is in like the upper 80th percentile yeah that makes so, sense i mean he's he's kind of he's also kind of past the swing and miss portion of his career yeah so you know he had uh he had 10 strikeouts per nine in 2016 when he had 20, 226 innings pitched. he's actually got 10.2 this year um but it's a much smaller sample size he had 8.8 .8 in 2019 which is i think the, the most fair larger sample size to go off of in recent times i guess yeah so uh pretty <clears throat> that's pretty interesting to point out how it's gone that way um but yeah it like for me i kind of i either want uh i either want no more no hitters this year or just or, 20 or 20 it would be I very want... funny if there was just no more yeah right yeah it they just don't get the record i think it's seven right yeah the record is seven for the modern era yeah by the way, you you've had that before anyone else. Like yeah, I was tweeted it out. Sarah Lang tweeted it out, I believe. You like after the like the means no hitter, the Miley no hitter. You were like, by the way, it's seven. Yeah, right. Because um, I I was very curious, and you can really like it. It's not anyone an Elias. It yeah. It's it's not it's not restricted to uh, Elias sports. You can just go on Stathead. Yep. And you go to that's the beautiful thing about stats is like most of the stuff you see like on broadcasts or on twitter like you can just find that yourself yeah like it's all about learning how to use your tools and using them as often as you can 
Yeah, I'll like, uh, I always have it in mind. Yeah, maybe I can um maybe I can screen share how this is going or is this I don't know if I'm doing this correctly. <laughs> I don't know how uh what are you trying mind. to do? Um I'm trying to find out which year had the most no hitters again. Okay. Tied for the most no hitters. Didn't twenty fifteen have a lot? Uh what did you uh what did you just say? Didn't 2015 have a lot of no hitters? Yeah, yeah, it did. <clears throat> um There's what like Hisashi Iwakuma threw one, Mike Fires threw one, uh Jake Arietta threw one. The Giants pitcher Chris threw Heston. one against the Mets. Chris Heston threw one against the Mets. Max Serger threw two. Right, yeah. I think yeah, th- that might have been seven. I think there's multiple that's, years that had seven. That's six. And there might have been another one that I was missing. Yeah, those were like spread out. Like the first one was, I think Heston in like early May. Then the last one was Bumgarner, or the last one was Serger on the last, like the second to last day of the season. This is this is six by May Mm twenty. All right, so we have we have the uh, list of years with the most no hitters, but some of them are not full on no hitters. It's just I filtered by, as you can see on the screen complete game with no hits so if you get rained out uh that's... So like 21 is seven even though it's six yeah um so if i look at you know 1990 independent games out to uh dave stewart and fernando valenzuela for throwing one on the same day oh right yeah MLB so yeah in 1990 there was a an eight inning no hitter and a six inning no hitter so i guess so technically so technically that's six though right I guess, yeah, or yeah. yeah, the Andy Hawkins one is the craziest because he lost. Because he lost, yeah, because it was he was the home team, and yeah. I don't know if that was considered an official no hitter, but it doesn't matter because I think 2015. I doubt it. Uh, matched it. Uh, what was the seventh one from 2015 that I was missing? Cole Hamels, that's right. Cole Hamels, right before he went out. Yeah, 13 strikeouts. Wow. Uh, Max Serger had a game score of 104. What a joke. And then, of course, 1908. Yeah, how could I mean, who could forget? I wonder if I wonder if Nap Rucker was a uh, uh, Johnny Lush, guy. the fake. Nugget. I love, I love the um, the difference in strikeouts between everything, everyone else, and then Nap Rucker. <laughs> yeah, man, Nap Rucker was on a different planet. <laughs> Uh, you did not want to face Nap Rucker in the second game of the doubleheader on September 5th, 1908. You were <laughs> Definitely not. The Boston Braves. <laughs> you wanted uh, no part of that. Jo- Johnny Lush had the fake no-hitter with six innings, oh. no hits. Johnny. That must have been rained out. But yeah, 1908, league average 602, or the, the league – Average OPS was 602. That was the year that Hannes Wagner had like a 909 OPS or something. <laughs> had a 205 weighted run or yeah, 205 OPS plus. Yeah. What a- make sure, make sure to check that one out. But yeah, really? those are uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of the no hitter story of 2021 thus far. They got to get two more. Yeah. Uh, to break the record. It'd be really fun. I think they should get the two more like in September. 
Uh, like, imagine oh, yeah. we're just we're in suspense. Like, we're one away from tying it, technically. I think it'd yep. be great if they just left us in suspense for the rest of the year. And then, like, the last day of the season, we had two. It was, like, yeah. just two, like, Drew Smiley just threw one in game 162, an insignificant game. And then, <laughs> I don't know, like, Cole Irvin. Yeah, yeah, right. It is kind of funny to point out, though. 2015 was, uh, like, that was the start of probably when balls were getting juiced because that was um, when Manfred came in. Yeah, I mean, like, well, 2014 was, like, a very low offense year, too, though. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, yeah, 2015, I think, was sort of normal in context uh, most of the other years in the same time span um from the surface at least but yeah like that was the start of Manfred's tenure seven no hitters was pretty weird that was kind of I feel like that was kind of lightning in a bottle almost yeah it was like I mean Jake Arrieta was like disgusting like the only like fluke no hitters are you could argue were like Mike Fires, even though he threw a second one and like maybe Iwakuma but everyone else and Chris Heston but like everyone else was on their game like Serger you know pitched two and no one questioned that because he's Serger Jake Arietta won the Cy Young and he had like an 06 ERA in the second half of that year when he threw his. And then Cole Hamels, I mean, he was like, you know, he just got, he just was about to get dealt. So, like, he was obviously a name. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and also, what we have good, to consider like, is like, you know, 1968 isn't on the list because there were only maybe 20, I think there were like 22 teams, maybe, or 20 teams. So, yeah. less opportunities. Uh, for no hitters to be I mean, had. 1908 was there. So, oh yeah, 1908. But you know. No, what's your excuse? Yeah, S- sixteen. Yeah, only sixteen teams back then. Yeah. That was uh. There is just a swarm of carpenter bees outside where I'm at right now. Like there is, I'm not kidding, Chris. There is probably like ten to fifteen of them just swarming around my shed. Uh that's. Yeah. You know. They just... don't sting, so like it's whatever. But oh my god, they're huge. And they're very loud. Yeah, that's just annoying. It's very, it's very distracting. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be around that. Yeah, there's literally so much. There's a huge world out there. Why do you gotta pick my shed? Like, do you have any idea how much like room there is in the world? And you'd pick a random shed in the middle of upstate New York. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, the carpenter bees are like, don't they? they like kind of try to pound through wood or something yeah yeah i was getting uh, yeah i was getting worried uh last year i thought i heard a carpenter be like trying to come into my room or something but oh I, think, my God. I, don't, I don't think it was possible <laughs> i think i was just freaking myself out yeah i mean those things are huge yeah and they just like drive through wood pretty crazy fascinating stuff that was the nature portion of this episode. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, no hitters. Uh, two away from yeah. tying the uh, – or from breaking the I – mean, People have been doing this, so, like, I feel like we should just throw out our calls. Who's next? Hmm. I mean, it, it really just seems to be random. If there is a theme of uh, – Huh, if there's a theme here, I don't know what it could be. The theme is like spin rate, as we kind of determined. You know, I guess 
four of these team, four of these uh, no hitters have been against AL West teams. So maybe it's an AL West pitcher. It could be. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think here. Uh, <clears throat> who? I mean, I feel like there's maybe someone on the Astros who could do it. I don't know. Um, mm, it's tough. Tough to think about. Uh, it's just no particular, like, you know, top 10 pitcher in baseball type pitcher has done it yet. So it's hard to, hard to gauge. Um, you just got to throw out like a random three star that you like. You know what? It's going to be Lance McCullers Jr. He'll, he'll, he'll do it against. Okay. Maybe the okay. Mariners or the Rangers. I don't know. Who, who okay. do you got? <laughs> you just you got to stick with the. Who do I got? I mean, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at spin rate because clearly, clearly it's going to be a spin rate guy who does it because that's just how this thing goes. It's been the way it's been. Uh, let me look at the let me look at the spin rate and let me find just a random name uh, that's up no. there. The biggest guy is uh, Bauer, but I don't know. He's he's too good, I think, to get it. Yeah, but Bauer's a name. We're like names don't do this. Yeah. Um, this is difficult. Um, See, they don't really have leaderboards for spin, right? They kind of just have this massive graph. Um, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. Um, I, I'll try to, I'll try to find something. Uh, I think it's maybe leader. What is it? Leaderboards? Is it pitch arsenals? Pitch yeah. movement? I don't know. Percentile rankings? Is it percentile rankings? Would pitchers? That could be it. Fastball spin. Yeah, I'm gonna check percentile ranking. Uh, yeah, there it is. Corbin Burns is a hundredth percentile. Um, that yeah, but that's, def- that's a strong possibility, but I think he's too good to get a no hitter. Um, yeah, Bueller ninety seventh, yeah, no. Darvish ninety six, ninety seventh. The the real chads of the world are above the no hitter. Um, Dylan Cease ninety sixth percentile in fastball spin. But 87th in velocity, <laughs> there's not that much of a difference. Um, uh, all the guys I like are like they're they're velocity guys, so I, you know I can't. Do right. That. Maybe a uh, Dylan Bundy. That doesn't help out. Dylan, Dylan Bundy. Bundy I- he's been struggling though. You know what I'm gonna? You know what I'm gonna make a call. I'm gonna go. You're going with an angel. I'm going with a former angel. I think it's gonna be Matt Shoemaker. Matt Shoemaker. Matt Shoemaker. Yeah, that's a throw and a half, but you know what? I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> it's gonna happen, which which means in reality he's going to uh, have 12 hits per nine in his next five starts. Right. Yeah, but he still will be the next no hitter. He's he's 27th percent. He's 27th percentile fastball velocity, but 36 percent spin rate. So he's a spin rate guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to talk about this curveball spin right in the third percentile. But you know what? This is my pick, and I'm going to run with it, and it's going to be ridiculous. Super, super deceptive guy. All right. So I have Lance McCullers Jr. You have Matt Shoemaker. Matt Shoemaker. That's right. So, Listen, all it takes is one good start. It doesn't matter what your ERA is. It doesn't matter that his expected slugging against is 555. Yeah. What? Yeah. Let's look up batting average. Let's look up Philip Humber's 2012 stats. I'm sure they weren't great. Literally, just just look at his stats for that month. It's it's extraordinary. He had like a six ERA that month. Humber. Yeah. See the crazier thing, and he threw a perfect game. We're just all we need is a no hitter. You can like we're even giving him a pass to walk a guy. Philip Humber had a six four four. ERA in 2012. Let's look at uh, check it. Look at the stats for the April that he threw the hitter. The um, perfect game. Yeah, it's that's just the most random of random games that happen. At least in in my time of uh. And that was a, that was against the Mariners, fittingly. Yeah, the start after that, the start after that, he gave up nine earned runs in five innings. It was. Yep. He faced the Red Sox too. That's crazy. I wish Statcast was around. Look, for... at, look at his ERA for that month. It was four six six. <laughs> for Philip Humber. Yeah. And I mean, I bet it would have been like six five. Wasn't for that one perfect game. Yeah. Right. Yeah, nine runs after the. All right, the game are we ready after. to move on? Yeah, uh, biggest uh, biggest headline of this past week. We're having another conversation about the unwritten rules, uh, as I guess the uh, the three zero count situation has come up again. I had no idea it was a thing until last year with Fernando Tatis Jr. and. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I guess the the basics of the story, uh, the White Sox were winning 15 to four against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the uh, Twins put out a position player, Williams Astadio, also known as La Tortuga, out onto the mound. Uh, he threw three balls, and obviously, when you throw three consecutive balls to start in at bat, uh, that uh, takes the bat pretty much out of the opponent's hand and you're unable to swing the bat. Uh, your mean Mercedes did not realize that was a thing. And uh, he decided to swing three Oh, uh, with an 11 run lead and uh, hit a, uh, hit a home run to make it, it 16 to four. It was an impressive piece of hitting. No matter who was on the mound, it was an impressive piece of hitting. Like if the pitch was on like the the high outside part of the strike zone, and he took it to left center, like above the four hundred eleven foot marker. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, I forget I forget what the pitch velocity was, but he, uh, yeah, it was like ten miles an hour. It was not fast. It was an EFIS pitch. Did a good job, and uh, hit hit a home run. Apparently, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden. Uh, after after the game, uh, Tony Larusa uh, said he did not he did not enjoy Mercedes's swinging of a 
3-0 pitch, uh, being up 11 runs, and said there's going to be like some discipline things. Uh, next night, your mean Mercedes gets thrown at by, uh, by the Twins. It doesn't really matter what pitcher, but got uh, thrown up by the Twins in the seventh inning. And then after the game, Tony La Russa basically said that he kind of understood what the Twins were doing. Uh, real, real no tough situation. Yeah, this was such a mess. I mean, as soon as it happened, my immediate thought was like, oh, no, Tony La Russa is not going to like this. And uh, after the game, I had heard that Tony had given him the take sign. So, like, I, you know, I can understand being upset when a player misses a sign. Uh, like, I get that, but... I mean, to, to come back and say that you don't have your own guys being thrown at, no matter what the context, that's an issue and that's not allowed. Like, that should not be – that should have been a fireable offense, but the White Sox won't do it. Um, I had a lot of takeaways from this. I've honestly, like, I've lost sleep just thinking about this whole situation because the truth is, like, I really kind of turned a blind eye when I heard that Tony La Russa had a problem with it because I was like, yeah, of course he does, whatever. Like, that's, that's just how he's going to be. Uh, but the real headline for me was the was the not having a problem with with uh, the you know his own player getting thrown at because I mean when you look at it Chris the White Sox are in first place you want to know a huge reason why they're in first place because of Yerman Mercedes Mercedes he's come up he has a three he's he's in line for the major league batting title right now I know the batting average doesn't mean much in this day and age but I mean you can't deny the batting title. Like that's, that's great. Whoever you are, that's a really good spot to be in. You want on your team on this year as a rookie in his first two months as a big leader. Like it's, you know, it's a gift that you didn't expect to receive when you lose Elias and you lose Luis Robert. Uh, you know, that's a huge guy to come up and, and, uh, start contributing for you guys immediately and you're gonna and if you as a manager don't have a problem with that guy being targeted how much do you really care about winning because i mean let's not forget this is a guy who doesn't obey basic rules on the road but he's so accustomed to unwritten rules in the game that he manages yeah it's uh it's pretty it's pretty uh pretty weird i, I don't know it's 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 definitely something else it, there's it adds an element to call him out in the media publicly uh i'm guessing there was a private conversation and there was another and there was another like let's just not forget um you know well i forgot what i was gonna say oh let's not forget the what happened with lance lynn too like he doubled down on this take where lance lynn who made his major league debut under Tony La Russa. And I don't think Lance Lynn isn't necessarily seen from the general public as like a, as a new school baseball guy. Like, you know, he's kind of a, a more blue collar uh, sort of workhorse sort of guy. You know, he got injured this year briefly, but if he didn't like, you could see him logging 200 innings. I could see that. You could see that anyone could see it. Uh, and he had a quote where he was like, yeah, like I've been playing this game for 10 years and you know, the league has gotten more accustomed to that and it's a thing. And, you know, even if Lance Lynn isn't the type of guy that you see, you know, pumping his fist and yelling after strikeouts, like clearly he's in on, on these unwritten rules, you know, not, not having to be a thing. 
and I don't, and I don't even know if he would have had much of a problem if he was on the twins at this time, which he used to be. Um, and then for Tony LaRusso to come back and say, well, he's got a locker and I've got an office as if like, as if Lance Lynn has any control of that. Cause guess what? I mean, what major league Lance Lynn is what? 31 years old, 32. How old is he? He's probably older than that actually. Yeah, Lance Lynn is like in his mid thirties. What, what a major league baseball player. What major league baseball player in their mid thirties has an office? None of them. So why, why is it like, why is he trying to use that as some sort of, you know, uh, of power abuse? Yeah. And uh, yeah, like only it, like LaRusso, like only one person in that front office wanted LaRusso to have, to have the job that he had, you know, it it's pretty well documented that, uh, you know, the GM and most of the front office was looking for, you know, the opposite of a Tony LaRusso type. In the front office. And I would have liked that a lot more. Yeah. It, it, arguably the White Sox would be doing even better uh, right now if that was the case. But uh, yeah, we have this situation. I mean, I don't know how much I, I feel like, I feel like the problems won't get, worse in terms of whatever losing the clubhouse because he's probably lost everybody he can lose you know in this situation you know it's just it's also he he's picked you know the dumbest thing to point out with uh you know swinging on a 3-0 count it's just you know don't three don't throw three balls uh to start an at bat and you won't get swung on on a 3-0 count but yeah I think he's lost just about uh just about everyone he he can lose and you know they'll go on the season how they go about it. Uh my internet just went out. No worries. I just finished a a point. I, th- I was saying like Yeah, you, I, you were talking about like how there's no suspensions given out, right? Um and uh All right. Um, yeah, I, I had a couple more, more points I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I just mentioned how um, how I think he's lost just about everybody he can lose over this. And, like, they'll just kind of go on the season how they go about it. Uh, I mean, I think the only, the only potential, like, suspension thing would just be because there was – did the benches ever clear? Did that happen? No, I don't because think I know so. that uh, Tyler Duffy got ejected. Tyler Duffy and Rocco Baldelli both got ejected on, what was it, Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday. Yep. Which was stupid, but, you know, that happened. And I mean, uh, against Yerman doing this, because the whole thing with, with, um, Fernando Tatis Jr. started with Chris Woodward. Do you recall Rocco Baldelli really saying anything particularly bad? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not – yeah. It's like I, I understand it on Tuesday because you've got to defend your guy and one of his guys just got ejected anyway. Like, you got to do that so no one else does. Right, yeah. I'm not sure – 
like what the twins involvement with it was i'm not sure if it was you know because there's definitely more behind the scenes stuff that that we don't know about so you don't know if it was a manager's uh call it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a rocco baldelli type move to do however uh it could have been a thing yeah. that the bullpen decided was going to happen because it did happen with a relief pitcher and not a starter you know it, they waited until i believe his third or fourth at bat uh to do this so it might have been a, a thing that was determined in the bullpen uh i don't know it it's kind of weird who started the game on Tuesday? was it i think it was pineda uh yeah i, I want to say pineda started the game on Tuesday, and i think he and he's not like a a velocity guy uh, i want to double check that though because right. tyler duffy is i think one of the hardest throwers that they have also, it is funny. Like, I I never see a, I know it's I never really see, kind of like the foreign players, especially from like the, kind of Caribbean area, oh, no. really get mad, for these unwritten rules because I don't think they yeah. really exist, in other countries. No, because I mean, in in the Caribbean, they're they're bad flipping walks. Yeah, they're doing it all. Yeah. Okay. So. That's that's kind of a starting funny... pitcher. The starting pitcher, the starting pitcher for the Twins was Bailey Ober, who was making his major league debut. So, uh, yeah, you're not gonna he he's not gonna throw it. You're not gonna have a guy making his major league debut throw it, Mercedes. That's not fair. Um, and let's not forget, like two months ago, Chris, you and I didn't know who Yerman Mercedes was, and really no one outside of Chicago knew who he was. And, you know, obviously he's had a tremendous start to his career, but, I mean, he hasn't earned anything for the long-term future. So, like, you know, he could go three for his next 40, and he's, you know, getting lowered in the lineup, and then he's on the bench, and then he's in the minor leagues. And then, like, he could just be gone, like, just like that. Like, he could be gone just as early, just as quickly as he came up. So, I mean, he's he needs everything he, he can get at this stage of his career before he can, like, you know, earn himself a better contract and a better, you know, more playing time like he he still needs to hit everything that he can and that includes off a position player i mean that's basically a gift yeah that's a good point you bring up because yeah he wasn't a highly touted prospect in fact right now he is uh in his age 28 season and yeah he's he's 28 right now so it's not like he there there it's not like the front office sees him as a long-term uh type of you know solution so he needs to be able to uh you know stay stay at this level of you know perfect you know stay at this professional level and stay at this level of performance uh to kind of make sure that he can make a living out of this sport um so yeah that's uh you know your mean mercedes your your mean mercedes needs all the support uh, he is able to get, and uh, I think I think what's most important exactly. is he's kind of getting the support from his teammates. Yeah, he is. I mean, I would love to see what that White, White Sox clubhouse looks like right now because it seems all pretty united, but not with the manager. Like it seems like Tony La Russa is on a completely different page from everyone else in the clubhouse, and it's May twentieth. And I said at the beginning of the season, the bigger problems with Tony La Russa are going to come up in the regular season. And I didn't expect it would get to something like this, but it has. And it's only May 20th, and they got to go the rest of their the rest of the season 
know they're playing with a manager that doesn't have a problem with teams throwing at them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and I mean, you just going to sound off on it. Like, if Lance Lynn is going to be one of the guys that sounds off against his own manager, what are guys like Tim Anderson thinking? Because Tim Anderson is a guy who shows emotion on the field. Lance Lynn doesn't do that nearly as much as Tim Anderson does. So what is a guy like that thinking when his manager, you know, is okay with with him being punished uh, physically for showing emotion on the field or, you know, or doing things that are not written or unwritten rules? Yeah, you have to wonder what that situation in 2019 would have been like with, uh, I believe it was yeah, like, what if, what if he went full Randy, like what the Russo went full Randy Johnson and put on the Royals hat during the fight? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, Tony LaRusso would have been probably, uh, like, what if he was just out here throwing haymakers? Yeah, right. Yeah. He's like, Tim, why did you do that? Why, how could you how could you represent this the White Sox like this? Yeah. It's it's terrible. We lost a hundred games last year. How could you how could you possibly have fun? Yeah. You're not even you're not even 30 yet. How could you uh show up? Or actually, yeah. Anderson, at least Anderson was old, probably had more experience than Brad Keller. They couldn't use that argument. Yeah, no. I don't know. It's it's the, one of the most mind-boggling things to me is that Tony LaRussa was like he was somewhere in the Red Sox front office and during the time when Alex Cora was sort of becoming the face of this new wave of managers where you know you're not such a hard ass and you're like kind of more of a friend to all your all of the players on your team. Like he was there watching that work and he, you know, is adopting i mean i know that like he's a hall of famer baseball person i i I know it and i know that he's in the hall of fame not as that type of manager but i don't know it seems like he would have figured out how much the game has changed since 2011 but it appears he's not done any of that even just like a little bit yeah right and like we look back at uh some of the most recent world series champion managers they're not all super young some of them have a good amount of experience but like dave roberts what's the average age of the last yeah like dave roberts uh is not you know an old school type manager uh davy martinez i think is a younger guy alex cora of course as you mentioned uh aj hinch uh he you know he doesn't seem really old school or new school but definitely not full old school and you know joe madden even though he was kind of an older manager was, you know, he's, he seems like a player's manager uh, who kind of, you know, supports his guys. And I don't think he's been caught up in one of these, uh, one of these unwritten rules issues. Um, I'm trying to check. So Davey Martinez is 56 years old and I think he might be the oldest of the uh of the four most recent world series managers yeah he sure is yeah yeah and, and he's 20 years younger than la Russa. yeah right well yeah and the game and has changed we've discussed why it's why it was so weird you know um like t- you know tony la Russa's being 76 
you know, it's a this is a team that's pro that should succeed for four or five years. So I don't know why you would hire a manager that's probably not going to manage those four or five years. Uh, it's just it it's stupid how I mean I can't believe they I can't I can't believe they doubled down on the guy like Rick Renteria. Like I knew for years he was holding them back, and I think we all saw it last year, especially in that that winner go home game in Oakland where he did the surprise opener with uh who was it with lopez i think no it was dunning it was dunning um like i couldn't believe that you know he did that and they did the right thing they outed him at the end of the year and i was like all right great go get a young guy to go with this team and go win a world series and they they did the exact opposite yeah i and it's I, showing it's it's stupid how the owner just really ignored everything the front office was saying and uh and hired this guy it's it's as much as uh, it's, it's not even really the owner's job to know baseball yeah like the no like the owner like the owner is not the guy who who is like breaking down all the numbers and, and deciding who you know the team gets based on what their statistics show he's the guy that listens to everyone else yeah it's a uh it's probably the owner's fault more than you know it's tony larusa's fault for being tony larusa the owner should know yeah or, it is. you know it's not the owner's job to know much better it's the owner's job not to get their put their hands into the baseball operations uh it's it's just it, it's pretty ridiculous how we kind of overthrew that process um any any more on on this situation that's, I mean, that's everything I, I thought out, you know, I mean, just, I think you really need to consider the position that your Mercedes is in. I think that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of a guy who shot up out like of nowhere he, and uh, you need like, to, let's add, not you need, forget, none of us knew who he was months ago. Yeah. You need to have a, a guy like that. You need to have his back. He doesn't. Yeah. He's a, uh, someone who's on a, you know, the first year of his, um, you know, eligibility for a major league contract. He's not going to be hitting free agency anytime soon and making big money. He's not even really hitting arbitration that soon. So uh, you need to have a guy like that. You need to have a need to have his back. Um, so now we get into a more positive portion of the episode where we're going to be highlighting players or subjects. Uh, that have been catching our eye for good reasons. Uh, now for our Thursday, May 20th, 2021 edition of... How about that? Who is your player to highlight uh, for this Thursday episode? For this Thursday episode, I am... Normally when I do my How About That's, I look at guys who have been playing well over a, you know, a span of games. And sometimes it's a very, sometimes it's a very, very random span of games where it fits my narrative. Sometimes it's just, you know, the month of May, like what we're in right now. But today I changed it up a little bit. I'm looking at a single game performance that caught my eye that virtually no one was talking about. I am looking at Eric Haas, the other Detroit Tiger who had a magnificent day uh, this week on Monday in the second inning. Eric Haas hit a 100.8.9 mile per hour home run 
in Seattle that went 429 feet exactly. It was a barrel, expected batting average of 980. He crushed it. He got every bit of it. By the way, that was his second career home run uh, in his 20, I think, eighth career game, 28, 29. No, it was his 30th career game. That's what it was. Uh, it was his 30th career game, only his second home run. Uh, he had come over from the Indians in between 2019 and 2020. Um, by no means uh, an established player. Uh, in fact, he still has a 554 career OPS. But, I mean, you know, very nice of him to, to hit a home run there, especially 108 miles an hour, almost 109. And then in the ninth inning of the same game, another home run, also 429 feet, also 108 miles an hour. Uh, a two-home run game when he had one in his career on Monday. He became the second player in 2021 to have multiple home runs in a single game that were 108 miles an hour and at least 425 feet. The other person to do so was Fran Mio Reyes. And he is only the third Detroit Tigers player in the StatCast era to do so, with the other two being Justin Upton and Miguel Cabrera. So Eric Haas with and it with a game to remember on Monday, and uh, I didn't see too many people talking about it, so I figured I would. Yeah, very uh, very glad you were uh, able to do so. Uh, that's extremely extremely interesting. Uh, you know how what what clubs he was able to join uh, this early <laughs> this early in a season, just kind of this randomly. Uh, pretty wild what he was able to do. My, how about I mean, yeah, I was uh, gonna say, if I was gonna ask you, oh, oh, go ahead. If I was gonna ask you, like 20 minutes ago, like there are two players who have had multiple 108 mile an hour home runs that went at least 425 feet in a game this season. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Eric Haas is coming up. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't heard of this guy at all. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So my how I mean, about I don't, that? It's, uh, blame it. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The, the there's a bit of a delay here. It's tough. Uh, there is my how about that is a subject. Um. And this is actually this is actually a long one. This is probably the longest how about that I've ever done because I was pretty fascinated with. Yeah. With this subject and their overall transformation as a staff, uh, and probably most notably three individuals in particular. So after being 21st in the MLB in starter ERA in 2020, the San Francisco Giants starting rotation are currently first yes. in starter ERA this year with a 2.58 ERA. Uh, they're not having success through the strikeout necessarily as they are 10th in the national league in strikeouts per nine among starting rotations. Uh, however, they are ha having success with the ground ball as, and this is a giant transformation from what they did last year. I have to imagine there was something, you know, in the scouting department that uh, I that see what changed, I see what you did there, that they changed between 2020 and 2021 as a, uh, <laughs> right giant transformation um as after being 29th in the in major league baseball 
in ground ball percentage according to Fangraphs in 2020 after being 29th in the MLB. Their rotation leads the league, leads all of ML, all of, all of Major League Baseball in ground ball percentage according to Fangraphs with 50 with a 50.8% ground ball rate. It's gone up about it's gone up over 13 percentage points uh in the last uh in the last year as a as an entire staff. This is not just one individual. But now we get into the individual performances. Uh, Kevin Gossman is the headliner. He's someone that, you know, if you did quarter season uh, Cy Young's, he would be in the conversation for sure. Kevin Gossman has a 1.66 ERA and 59 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, he is second in the National League in ERA and also second in pitcher B-War. Uh, his ground ball rate specifically and fly ball rate uh, both increased and while his line and also his line drive percentage went from 32.2% in 2020 to 17.2% in 2021, a 15 percentage point difference uh, in the last two years. And, you know, last season was a 20 game season. So we're not that far off from where we were uh, as a total season last year. Uh the second pitcher to talk about, Anthony Desclafani, a very, very uh, interesting transformation by him. Uh, after putting up a 7.22 ERA last year, he has a 2.02 ERA this year, which is fifth in the NL, and he is also fifth in pitcher B War. His ground ball rate has gone from 40.4% in 2020 to 51.4% in 2021. That's an 11 percentage point difference. And his line drive rate is 15.8%, which is 7.1 percentage points below his previous career low. And this guy's been in the league for several years. Uh, and, you know, I think his ground ball rate has to do with uh, his, his success on his sinker. Uh, after hitters slugged 512 off his sinker in 2020, hitters are slugging 196 off of it in 2021. So they went from being elite off the sinker to not being able to uh, hit the sinker with any power at all. And, you know, they're also hitting 125 off the sinker to go with that. So he has been, uh, Anthony Desclafani has been excellent. And lastly, Alex Wood uh, has had a major transformation uh, since, in, since his last couple of years as well. Uh, after putting up a 5.96 ERA in 2019 and 2020 combined, he has a 1.75 ERA in 2021, and his ground ball rate went from uh, from below 40% in both 2019 and 2020 to having a 61.3% ground ball rate in 2021. That's you know about 50, over over 15 percentage points above league average. Uh, in 2021 from Alex Wood. And uh, he's found success with get, getting ground balls with his slider as out of 33 batted ball events with the slider in 2021 thus far, uh, 22 of those 33 have a launch angle of five degrees or less and 16, which is about half, have a negative launch angle. So Alex Wood or Alex Wood, Anthony Desclafani, Kevin Gossman, and the rest of the San Francisco Giants starters have gone through a major transformation, just getting ground ball after ground ball, leading, leading the uh, leading all starting rotations in ground ball rate thus far in 2021. 
after being second to last last year. Uh, this is actually something to really point out because I, I think there was probably some major, a major difference in how they were approaching 2020 and how they were approaching this year. So very fascinating stuff from the league from the uh, best rotation in baseball in 2021 thus far, the San Francisco Giants. I kind of just realized Mike Trout literally got hurt and we didn't talk about it at all. That's right, yeah. That's slightly alarming. I know we're about to do app, but uh, we did not put that at all. Yeah, we forgot. We'll do do a full breakdown next show. All right. We'll we'll do an extra long segment about it. Yeah. So that yeah, we fine. can do that. But uh, San Fra- San Francisco. But anyway, that Giants. was beautiful. Yeah, San Francisco Giants rotation. That was. Uh, so I yeah, now we that. go from the highs to the lows. Uh, we go from the highs to the lows, where, you know, besides us, uh not talking about Mike Trout being injured. Uh, we have to get into more slightly alarming things. Uh, so now for our May 20th, 21, 20, 2021 edition of... Slightly alarming. So what players or what subject do you have uh, to point out for us today? So I'm kind of doing a continuation of something that I talked about last year because it has much continued this year. I'm talking about the Blue Jays and their discrepancy between home and road because it is, it is very cores like, and keep in mind, the Blue Jays are playing in their spring training ballpark in Dunedin uh, this year. And they've been very different offensively at home as opposed to on the road at home. They are slashing 285, 362, 5865 in 16 games for a 373 Woba and 137 wins created plus. All of those stats lead the majors uh, at home. On the road, as opposed to that, they are slashing 230, 289, 361, 659 with a 290 Woba and 86 weighted runs created plus. All those are like hovering around like the teens and low 20s. They're like slightly below average. And they are slugging 1086 on fly balls at home with an expected slugging of 892, uh, which is a 194-point difference. That is the highest difference in the majors as far as being lucky. So they are the luckiest team on fly balls at home. And uh, some of their players in particular are very good at home. Vlad Jr. has a 271 weighted runs created plus at home that leads all players in the majors. Uh, think about this, Chris. Lord, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was one of your slightly alarmings very recently. Do you want to guess his weighted runs created plus at home this year? I would guess, uh, if you're pointed it out, I would guess it's like 133. It's 121. Yeah. Which means his weighted runs created plus on the road, very, very bad. Uh, Alejandro Kirk has a 195 weighted runs created plus at home in 20 player appearances. Bo Bichette has a 182 weighted runs created plus at home. Uh, the Blue Jays as a team are significantly better at home than they are on the road. And it, it is showing in every single way. 
to the point and like normally that sounds like a good thing but like i'm genuinely concerned for when they eventually go back to toronto um for the record i looked at the dimensions of td ballpark their spring training facility the dimensions of it are basically the same as they are in rogers center except like the, the walls are not as high but the distances are roughly the same but i honestly think the weather has something to do with it i pointed out to chris before the show the blue jays have played more games in 80 degree weather than anyone else this year uh obviously that's not a thing in toronto uh, in fact they've played 14 games with a first pitch temperature above 80 degrees they played nine of such games at home uh in 2018 and 2019 combined and uh mind you they've played 14 games 12 of them have been at home so they already have more 80 degree home games this year than they did in all of 2018 and 19 combined uh and obviously you know it's because they're in florida and it makes sense but their offense has clearly benefited from that. And I'm really curious to see what it's going to look like in Rogers center, because it doesn't translate when they leave Dunedin. Yeah. And that is my slightly alarming. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. Um, how, how it's been trending kind of the same way it was, uh, last year when they went to, uh, sail, sail field, uh, how there was a big discrepancy discrepancy in how they performed offensively on the home and on the road so uh now uh now we get into my slightly alarming you know i i kind of hate to do this uh but unfortunately twitter's favorite baseball player has not been performing uh like like they would want him to david fletcher uh, is hitting 252 with a 560 OPS, his expected uh, weighted on base average is in the sixth percentile. Uh, I guess kind of the diagnosis with some of his issues is, uh, you know, not getting on base via the free pass or also, uh, you know, not seeing as many pitches as you would like to, you would like for him to see. Uh, his walk rate is a third, one third <clears throat> of what it was last year as it's gone from 8.7% to 2.9%. Uh, his walk rate is below 3% this year, which is rough. And uh, his chase rate is a career high 27.7%. You know, it's not necessarily like he's 100th percentile in, in whiff percentage, which means he's, he's been swinging at miss He's been swinging at miss swinging and missing at the, uh, you know, at the least, at the lowest percentage of uh, pitches. However, you know, if he's swinging at more pitches out of the zone, uh, that means he's not swinging at the best quality of pitches and likely, you know, getting more soft contact, which is not what you want to see. And also diminishing from, you know, his ability to get on base via walk as it's been uh, micro microscopically low this year. So David Fletcher so far, so far in 2021, looking slightly alarming but hopefully he can <clears throat> get back yeah. on track uh not looking the best so now i guess we get into uh our preview of the weekend ahead in baseball uh some series immediately kind of caught my eye uh what are you looking at for mm-hmm. this weekend trying to look what's what's starting today um Mostly, it looks like it's mostly series that are finishing up. 
Uh, the Twins and Angels are playing a quick doubleheader today um, because it's a makeup from COVID stuff. Uh, da, 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 da. I mean, White Sox Yankees is certainly a good one. Uh, Phillies Red Sox is a good one. You got Rays Blue Jays. That's a good one. Giants Dodgers. Um, I'm looking at Dod- Dodgers Giants. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, it's this is sort of the rebirth of the rivalry. I mean, they were heated rivals for a while, and they kind of down because the Giants just weren't as good. And this is their first time playing each other. Uh, the Dodgers have a chance to overtake the Giants as, at first place. Um, and it looks like the only starter that's been announced is Bauer on Friday, uh, or unless the Dodgers name more people. The Dodgers have Bueller on Saturday and Urias on Sunday. So the, the Giants are getting a good part of the Dodgers' rotation. They haven't announced any of their starters, but it doesn't look like Kevin Gosman will be going because he went uh, – it looks like he won't be going because he went last night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Giants Dodgers would probably be the one I'm personally most excited for, especially since, you know, I just did a whole rundown of their starting rotation and it looks like the Dodgers are kind of recovered from whatever slump they were going on. Uh, so that makes it interesting. And it's a real test to the Giants. Uh, I think uh, to point out another series you know, obviously Yankees White Sox should be a very good series. And, you know, this is uh, a series that both of us had as an a- as an ALCS, uh, correct? Yep. Yeah, both of us had it as an ALCS. So we could be potentially be looking at a preview for a uh, postseason series. So definitely, definitely look out for Yankees White Sox and, you know, Giants Dodgers is a uh, it, it's the first time you can really you could really get excited for a Giants Dodgers series since possibly 2016. It's been it's been about five years since you could get excited for one of these series. To put this in perspective, I think this is going to be Tony Larusa's first time managing at the new Yankee Stadium. Um, <laughs> yeah, Did the Cardinals play there from 2009 to 2011. That's a good Hang question. Is I'm going to check 50 50 chance. Um, okay, let's see. I, it would be very funny if he's been managing for this long and he's never been to a new Yankee stadium because that just shows that just shows the hire that they made. I think the AL East played the Central in 2011 because I know the Red Sox and Cardinals played in 2014 East, but- and it's every three years. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna look up 20. 20- 11. Right. When do they start this Cardinals? Uh looks like they did. No, the uh, the Cardinals did not play the Yankees in 2011 at all. Um in 2010. 2010 they didn't either. And in 2009 this is where when it counts. Uh They also yeah, no, this is first time uh, playing in the new Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it's weird. I guess the uh, interleague was different back then because in 2011, the Cardinals played the Orioles and the Blue Jays. But I don't know. <laughs> weird how that worked. They only played two AL East teams. But yeah, that's funny. 
That's pretty funny. Well, it, was, it, started, it started becoming consistent during the AL, so it was 15 and 15. Right, yeah. But yeah, that stadium is 13 years old, and uh, Tony, Tony La Russa has yet mm-hmm. to manage there. Nice. Yep. So I guess that does it for the 117th edition of Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. And if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show necessities. And we hope you enjoy this one and we hope you enjoy the next one, which will be coming out Monday where we'll be talking all the happenings of Major League Baseball. And we'll, we'll get to that Mike Trout injury because, uh, you know, this was a pretty long one. So well, I thought we're teasing it. Yeah, we're, we're teasing it. This was a pretty long one. And, uh, you know, we're, we'll probably need more time to be, to be filled next episode. So that's strategically why we didn't put it in the prep sheet. But yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. and all the yep. other. This is all part of the plan. And see you, see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.